You're listening to a message from Redemption Community Church, a life-giving church in Westchester County, New York. We pray this message encourages you today. Thanks for listening. Well, today we are continuing the series that we started last week for Advent. We're in this season of Advent, and Advent comes from uh, this Latin word, which means coming or arrival. What we do in this season is we look back and we remember Jesus' first coming. We're, that's what we celebrate at, at Christmas time. And then we look forward to the fact that he will come again. We long for the day when he will return. And then we do a third thing. We open our hearts to him coming to us, arriving in our lives in fresh in new ways. This is a season to slow down and to worship. This is a season of preparation. Let every heart prepare him room. It's a season of preparation and expectant waiting for the celebration of Christmas. As the rest of the world is speeding up toward Christmas, we're slowing our hearts down. We're preparing and we're waiting for the day when we can celebrate on Christmas, the birth of our Savior. That's what it's all about. Now, if there's one thing that our culture stinks at, it's waiting. Come on, can we just be honest? We are an impatient culture. We do not like to wait. Let me ask you today, what are some things that test your patience when it comes to waiting? How many of our, somebody say children, amen to that, all the parents. How many of you hate waiting for a flight delay at the airport? Do you hate that? Doesn't that test your patience? Listen, back in 2000, I went on a mission trip to Romania. I got stuck at the Minneapolis airport for three days waiting for a flight. Next time you complain about that half-hour delay, I just want you to think about your pastor waiting three days, okay? The Minneapolis airport is not that interesting. I'm just saying. hate airport delays, right? How many of you hate waiting on hold with customer service? Isn't that just the worst, right? And you know what happens? You wait for like a half an hour. You finally get a person on the phone, and they say, oh, wait, let me redirect you to the right person who can help you with that. Do you mind if I put you on hold? You're like, yeah, I mind if you put me on hold. I've been waiting for half an hour. Or how many of you hate a slow internet or Wi-Fi connection? You know, when it's just spinning in circles like that? Now listen, we got some younger people in the room. Yeah, I don't know about this. You may be frustrated by, by this, but back in the day, we used to have this thing called dial-up connection to the internet. Okay, some of y'all have no idea what I'm talking about. What happened is your computer literally had to call the internet and see if the internet wanted to talk to your computer. And sometimes it didn't want to, and you just waited. <laughs> and your computer made all these weird noises, right? Dial up, talk about test your patience. We all quit praying for patience. After, when high-speed internet came, it was like, hallelujah, chorus, thank you, Jesus. <laughs> How about the DMV? How many of you hate waiting in line at the DMV? I think the DMV has to be the most, like the worst, like bureaucratic system ever created in, in the history of the world. In fact, how many of you ever saw that Disney movie Zootopia where the sloths are the ones who man the DMV? <laughs> Come on, I feel revival breaking out in here today because y'all know that is like the best illustration, right? The sloth is like, hello, welcome. Like that's what it's like to go to the DMV. If you haven't seen that movie, you need to go watch it on Disney+. Plus. Here's what Advent does. Advent invites us to do something that's countercultural. It invites us to wait. It invites us to, to, to wait. While the rest of the world is speeding up toward the celebration of Christmas, Advent gives us the space to acknowledge that the world is not always merry and bright, that it's okay to acknowledge and to long for a Savior who is worth the wait. I think in many ways, as Christians, we've lost the spiritual art of waiting on the Lord. 
I like this quote that I read from a guy named Bobby Gross who wrote this uh, in a book called Living the Christian Year. He said, Advent is a season for waiting. We wait for the coming of God. We need him to come. Our world is messed up and we are messed up. We lament our condition and long for God to set things right, to make us better. So we pray and watch. That's what Advent is about. Praying, watching, longing, entering into this story of a savior who came to his people after a long wait. We're all waiting for something. We're all waiting for something. Let me ask you today, what is it that, that you found yourself waiting for? Maybe you've been waiting for a physical healing. There's been sickness in your body and you've been praying and asking God for months, for years, for healing in your body. Maybe you've been praying for financial provision. Maybe you lost your job or you need a new job or there's been unexpected bills and we feel that stress. Uh, some of us feel that stress, especially this time of year. Maybe some of you, you've been waiting for a relationship to be restored, a marriage that's broken to be healed. Maybe some of you have been longing and waiting for emotional peace. You've been feeling stressed and anxious, battling depression, depression and anxiety. Like we're all waiting for something. We're all waiting for something. And then there are times when, like that John Mayer song, we're waiting on the world to change. We put on the news and we see so much brokenness in, in our world. And we long for the day when there's no more war, no more disease, no more poverty, no more people doing terrible things like we hear every day in the news. I mean, right now we've got a war happening in the Middle East, a war happening in Ukraine. And as we're going into the, into the time of year when we're singing about peace on earth, we long for the day when there's healing in our world. How do we wait for God when it seems like he's taken a long time to answer us? When we've been praying, when we've been knocking on the door of heaven, we've been asking God to, to meet a certain need. How do we wait when it seems like the world is so broken? Today, I wanna look at the story of a man in the Bible who waited well. Uh, someone who understood the spiritual discipline of waiting, someone who waited a long time for the coming of the Messiah, the one who would save his people. And we know that his name is Jesus. And so the man that I wanna look at today, his story, this person, his name is Simeon. And we find his story in the gospel of Luke chapter two. We're gonna be there in just a moment. Let me just give you a little background here, okay? After Jesus's birth in Bethlehem, uh, Joseph and Mary, they traveled to the temple in Jerusalem to make some sacrifices and to dedicate the infant Jesus to the Lord. Uh, according to the Old Testament laws, the firstborn child especially was consecrated unto the Lord. So Mary and Joseph, they take uh, the infant Jesus to the temple in Jerusalem to fulfill the, the Old Testament law. And we're gonna pick it up in Luke chapter two, verse 25 through 33. Are you ready? Here's what it says. At that time, there was a man in Jerusalem named Simeon. He was righteous and devout and was eagerly waiting for the Messiah to come and rescue Israel. The Holy Spirit was upon him and had revealed to him that he would not die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. The day, that day, the Spirit led him to the temple. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord, as the law required, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and praised God saying, Sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace. As you have promised, I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations and he is the glory of your people, Israel. Jesus' parents were amazed at what was being said about him. So here was this elderly man, Simeon, 
who had received a word from the Lord that he would not die until the day that he laid eyes on the Messiah, the promised savior of his people. And every day he went to the temple. Like we get this sense. We don't know how long you've been waiting, but we get this sense that he had been waiting a long time that he had been going to the temple probably every day for many years to, to, to meet the Messiah. And hey, he didn't know what the Messiah, the Messiah might show up like a king. He might show up like a great warrior. He had no idea that the Messiah would come in the form of a little bitty baby. But one day after the long wait, he finally met the Messiah in the form of this infant Jesus. How many of you know good things come to those who wait? This man waited well, and I think we can learn a lot from his example. So how do we wait? How do we wait when we've been praying? How do we wait when we've been longing? How do we wait in a, in a world where there's so much brokenness, where we walk through so much personal pain and disappointment? I think we can learn a few things today from Simeon about how to wait well. And I hope you'll take some notes today. Here's the first one. Number one, we wait in faith. Come on, everybody say faith. We wait in faith. I like the New American Standard Version of verse 25. Here's how it describes Simeon. It says, and there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, looking forward, looking forward to the consolation of Israel. You say, what does that mean? Well, consolation means comfort. In other words, he was looking forward to the day when the Jewish people, when the people of Israel would be comforted. See, if anybody understood waiting, it was the Jewish people. For centuries, they had been a conquered people. They had been ruled by different pagan empires. Here they were, the people of God, who had the promises of God. God had promised to their great forefather, Abraham, that he was going to bless them, make them into a great nation, give them their own land. And yet here they were, a conquered people, subjects of the pagan Roman empire. And to make matters worse, the prophets had gone silent for centuries. I'm sure the Jewish people at times felt like they had been completely forgotten. And yet Luke tells us Simeon was looking forward to the consolation of Israel, to the day that the Messiah would come and comfort his people, would save his people. Come on, he hadn't given up faith that God would come to his people. What an amazing man of faith. And you know, we have this saying in our culture, I'll believe it when I see it. Come on, how many of you have said that before? Right, I'll believe it when, when I see it. Your kids tell you, I promise you I'm going to clean my room. I'm going to start keeping my room clean. I'll believe it when I see it. Politicians promise, vote for me and I'll cut taxes. Oh yeah, I'll believe it when, when I see it. Come on. Jets fans, this is the year we're going to win the Super Bowl. I'll believe it when I see it. Sorry, Jets fans, I love you. I'm always picking on you, but I'll believe it when I see it. I believe it when I see it. That's logic, right? Like logic says, I'll believe it when I, when I see some facts that add up and make it believable. But here's what faith says. Faith says, I'll believe it in order to see it. Faith says, I'm going to believe it in order to see it. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, one of the most famous verses on faith in all the Bible. Now, faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. The Apostle Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 7, for we walk by faith, not by sight. I'll, I'll believe it in order to see it. You know, as I was praying about this this week, 
I was thinking about how when Amy and I first moved to Westchester almost 10 years ago, and uh, some of you know our story, but we, we got here and it was one of the most difficult seasons of our life and nothing was working according to plan. You know, there were so many days when according to logic in the natural, I didn't see how we were ever gonna get this church started. I felt like God called me, but we got here and we didn't have the money, we didn't have the people, we didn't have the venue. And there were so many days when I was struggling. There were so many days when I was looking around and I didn't see anything coming to pass. But you know what I would do? I would begin to pray. And as I closed my eyes, I would begin to see people worshiping. God would begin to give me glimpses of people worshiping. And every now and then I turn my head around during worship on a Sunday morning and I'm not counting attendance. We got ushers for that. I'm looking around because I love to see this vision that came to pass. Come on, because while I was waiting, God was working. While I was waiting, God was working behind the scenes. We walk by faith, not by sight. Come on, logic, rational thinking says, I'll, see, I'll believe it when I see it. But faith says, I'm gonna believe it in order to see it. And I'm sure there were plenty of days that Simeon had walked into that temple and he didn't see anything. He just kept going. He just kept trusting God. He just kept showing up. Can I just encourage somebody here today who doesn't feel like a, a spiritual superstar? God doesn't always use the most talented people. God doesn't always use the, the wealthiest people. God doesn't always use the people with the most natural gifts. Sometimes he just uses those who keep living by faith and keep showing up. Just keep showing up. Keep showing up. While we wait on God, we walk by faith. When we wait on God, we walk by faith. God, while I'm waiting for you to give me a godly Christian spouse, I'm gonna walk by faith. God, while we're waiting to get pregnant and you give us a baby, we're gonna walk by faith. God, while I'm waiting for that dream job, for that financial breakthrough, I'm gonna walk by faith. God, while I'm waiting for that healing, I'm gonna walk by faith. Oh, I wish you would get this in your spirit today. Church, we don't just wait like everybody else. We wait by faith. By faith. Number two, how do we wait? We wait in obedience. We wait in obedience as we're praying, as we're seeking, as we're trusting God. We wait in obedience. You see, the Holy Spirit had revealed to Simeon that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. He had this promise he was holding on to. So he was evidently someone who was able to discern and hear the voice of the Lord. The Holy Spirit spoke to him, but what's even more important is he obeyed. He, he obeyed. Look at this, Luke chapter 2, verse 27 through 28 again. It says, that day the Spirit led him into the temple. There it is. He was sensitive to the Spirit. So when Mary and Joseph came to present the baby Jesus to the Lord as the law required, verse 28, Simeon was there. Simeon was there. See, what if Simeon had given up? What if Simeon was like, you know, praying that day and the Holy Spirit's like, I want you to go to the temple today. What if he thought, I go to the temple every day. I've done this so many times. No, I'm tired. I'm staying in bed and I'm watching Netflix today because I'm so tired of going to the temple every day because nothing ever happens. Nothing ever happens when I go. Listen, if he had had that attitude, he would have missed out on the Messiah. He would have missed out on meeting like the son of God. Like here he is because he's obedient. He steps out in faith. He gets to hold Jesus Christ as a baby in his arms. He gets to hold the son of God, the promise of God, the purpose for his life in his arms that day. Why? 
because he was obedient. And I wonder how many times we miss out on our miracle. I wonder how many times we miss out on our purpose. I wonder how many times we miss out on a divine appointment in our lives because we're not obedient to something that the Holy Spirit is putting on our hearts. See, faith finds its ultimate expression in obedience. Let me say that to you again. Faith finds its ultimate expression in obedience. Jesus said this in John chapter 14, verse 21. He said, whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. Whoever has my commands and keeps them. He doesn't say whoever knows a lot of Bible verses. He doesn't say whoever calls himself a Christian. He doesn't say whoever says they believe in me or considers themselves to be a person of faith. Well, I'm a person of faith. Isn't that nice? Jesus says it's the person who actually does my commandments. That's the person who, who actually loves me. Those who are obedient to my word. And I talk to people quite often who want to know the will of God for their life, you know, who come to me in a difficult situation, you know. Pastor Jeremy, what should I do? You know, this person hurt me, you know, and I need, I need to know what to do. Should I forgive this person? You know, does the Bible say we really have to give money in the offering? Should I move in with my boyfriend or girlfriend who's not even a believer? And they ask me for advice, and I say, well, let's look at what Scripture has to say. And quite often I get the sense that after I, after I give them some godly wisdom based on Scripture, they want a second opinion. Can I get a second opinion? You know, like you go to a doctor, can I get a second opinion? I think a lot of people love the idea of being a person of faith as long as I can do whatever I want. As long as I can do whatever I want. Jesus said, no, no, it's actually those who keep my commands who love me. Pastor Rick Warren said, the only parts of the Bible you truly believe are the parts you put into practice. Mic drop. Eugene Peterson, the great theologian and author, he said, faith is a long obedience in the same direction. He wrote a book about that. I think that's a great description of faith. It's a long obedience in the same direction. You just keep getting up every day by his grace, every day in prayer, every day. I get the sense sometimes, you know, people come to church and they get touched by God and they're here for a few months. Like I see people who really, they have an encounter with God. He really touches their life. And then I can tell about a year, about a year into this, it's like, so this is just every day, right, pastor? Like every day getting up and trusting his grace, every day reading my Bible, every day praying, coming to church every, every seven days, getting into a life group serving. And I'm just like, yep, it's every day by his grace. One day at a time, Lord, give us today my daily bread. And people drop out. They drop out because they had the great experience, but they lose the obedience, walking it out, a long obedience in the same direction. And so we learn to pray, God, while I'm waiting on you, give me the strength to be obedient to what you've asked me to do. Give me the strength to do this one day at a time by, by your grace. Because for some of you, God is going to speak to you in this Christmas season. Just like he spoke to Simeon, he's going to put something on, on your heart this Christmas season. He might ask you to do something. He might ask you to pick up the phone and call a loved one that you haven't talked to in a while because the relationship, relationship has been strained. And he's going to say, I want you to reach out and be the person, especially in this Christmas season, to initiate the conversation and to love that person. He, he might put it on your heart to give, maybe to give something extra in the Christmas offering this year, like to put a zero on whatever it was that you were planning to give because he's moving your heart into generosity and out of materialism this Christmas season. He might ask you to meet a need in, in your life, somebody in your life group somebody in your family or friends, your, your circle of influence, he may put it on your heart to serve someone in some way, to give to someone, to reach out and pray for someone. He might put it on your heart to invite somebody to church, a neighbor, a, a coworker, a friend. God's been putting it on my heart. I've been dropping, you know, those little circle invite cards we've been giving up. I've been dishing them out to people. I've been praying over them, giving them to people. He's gonna ask you at some point in time, don't be surprised in this season when he asks you to do something. And can I just encourage you, uh, in the words of Nike, just do it. Just do it. Just do it, okay? 
just step out and do what he's asking you to do. Like Simeon, we don't want to miss out on what God has for us. Come on, it's worth the wait. And so we wait in obedience. Come on, what is God, just let that hit home for a minute. What is God asking you to do that requires you to walk in obedience, to honor him, to honor his word? Don't short circuit the process. Don't, don't short circuit it. Number three is this, we wait in hope. How do we wait? on the Lord. Some of you are waiting for something. Some of you, this is very real for you. You've been crying out to God. You've been trusting God, been praying for a long time. How do we wait? We wait in faith. We wait in obedience and we wait in hope. Look at this, Luke chapter two, verse 28 through 32. Again, Simeon was there. He took the child in his arms and he praised God saying, sovereign Lord, now let your servant die in peace as you have promised. I have seen your salvation, which you have prepared for all people. He is a light to reveal God to the nations, and he is the glory of your people, Israel. You see, Simeon waited in hope. Like he believed that God was going to bring salvation to his people through this child. Through this child. He had hope that what God said was going to come to pass, not just for him personally, but for his people. He was a man of faith in a faithless generation. He was a man of hope when a lot of people had given up hope. Now, first, I think we have to define hope for, for a minute, okay? We gotta define hope because, you know, the way we tend to, to talk about hope is kind of like wishful thinking, you know? We say, like, I hope a lot of things are gonna happen, right? Like, I hope the weather's gonna be good for such and such event, right? I hope my football team is gonna win in the playoffs. Sorry, Jess fans. I hope, I know I'm really picking on you today. I love you. I love you. I only pick on the ones I love. I hope, I hope that cute guy or girl in life group would finally notice me. Oh, amen, somebody. That could happen. I'm just saying. We've had a few weddings around here the last couple of years from people meeting somebody. Life group is a really, really great uh, place to meet somebody. Get out of the bars and get into life group. I'm just saying. Lord, I, I had hoped. Lord, I hope, right? It's wishful thinking. <laughs> it's wishful thinking. Like we're just kind of hoping. It would be nice if this actually worked out. Pastor Don, you quit laughing. You're making me laugh over here. Stop. Because she knows it's true. Here's the thing we have to understand, church. Biblical hope isn't wishful thinking, it's confident assurance. It's confident assurance. All right, let me ask you all this question. Do we have any Wegmans fans in the house? Come on, somebody, I hear that, amen. I see that hand, bless you. Any Wegmans fans? Some of y'all don't know about Wegmans. You haven't had the experience of, Wegmans is like the gold standard of grocery shopping in Westchester County. If you didn't know, you need to get to Wegmans in Harrison. Google it, you'll thank me next week, okay? Now listen, y'all have to understand, my wife is from Buffalo, okay? And Wegmans is a way of life in Western New York, okay? So Amy was really missing Wegmans when we moved down here downstate. And a couple years ago, when they finally announced that Wegmans was coming to Westchester, like Amy was so excited. But it took a long time for Wegmans to actually get here. Like they kept saying they were coming. They kept saying they were coming. And we kept getting updates in the news, but it took like a few years. But Amy never gave up hope. She had a confident assurance that Wegmans was gonna come to Westchester. And one day she would be worshiping, I mean, grocery shopping at, at Wegmans, right? It took a long time for the glory of Wegmans to fully manifest itself in Westchester County. And now she can shop at that shining temple of groceries on a hill overlooking Westchester Avenue in Harrison. And the glory has come to us, amen? <laughs> Listen to me, you gotta understand this. Biblical hope isn't wishful thinking, it's confident assurance. Simeon would never see Jesus grow up. He held the infant 
Jesus in his hands and he said, Lord, you can, you can take me home now. I'm not going to live to see this baby grow up. He would never see him preach to the multitudes. He would never see Jesus feed the 5,000. He would never see Jesus heal lepers and open the eyes of the blind or raise Lazarus from, from the dead. But he had a confident assurance that God would be faithful to fulfill the promise he had made to his people. He had a confident assurance. And so Christian hope, it's not wishful thinking. It's not just throwing a prayer up there into the sky somewhere like a birthday wish. No, no, it's confident assurance that God will fulfill his promises. And so as we're walking through life, it's God, I'm holding on to your promises. God, while I'm waiting for my marriage to be healed and restored, I'm holding on to your promises. God, while I'm waiting for healing in my body, for healing for that love when I'm holding on to your promises. God, while I'm waiting for my, my son or my daughter who's away from you to come home, to come back to a relationship with you. God, I'm holding on to your promises. God, while I'm waiting for this financial provision for the job that I need, God, I'm holding on to your promises that he who began a good work in me will be faithful to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. Amen. Confident assurance, confident assurance. And we don't just wait in hope of what he can do. Listen to me. Hope is knowing who he is. Hope is knowing who he is, that even if he doesn't do things according to our timetable, that he's a good, loving, and merciful God. And so, God, I'm trusting in your character. I'm trusting in who you are. I'm remembering your faithfulness in the past. And if you did it then, you'll do it for me. If you did it for Simeon, you'll do it for me. If you did it for the people in Scripture, you'll do it for me. And here's the beautiful thing. While you're waiting, he doesn't leave you empty-handed. Come on, how many of you know sometimes while you're waiting, you just need something to hold on to? Sometimes you just need something. Look, God, give me something to hold on to. Let me just leave you with three things that he gives us to hold on to as we wait. And I want to encourage you to grab a hold of these for yourself and make it personal. Three things that we hold on to as we wait. Number one, hold on to God's promises. Hold on to God's promises. See, Simeon had a promise from God that he wouldn't die until he saw the Messiah. And guess what? He held on to that promise. I think it gave him life. I think it kept him going. Like it gave him a, a reason to live in, in his old age. Listen to me, you've got to learn to read the promises of God in scripture and grab a hold of those for yourself. You got to learn to do that, right? Lord, Lord, come on, you said no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Lord, you, you promised to never leave me nor forsake me. Lord, you said in scripture, I am the God who healeth thee. Lord, you said, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. You gotta begin to take the promises of God. Scripture and pray those over your life. Hold on to his promises while you're waiting. Number two, you gotta hold on to God's presence. You gotta hold on to God's presence. You get the sense that Simeon was a regular worshiper at the temple. See, Simeon made the connection between God's presence and God's promises. He knew if he was going to see God's promises come to, to pass in his life, he had to get into God's presence. So he went to the temple every day. Church, let me tell you, there are times in life when all you can do is hold on to God's presence. You know, I told y'all about when we first moved here and all the difficulties we went through. We had a Catholic church at the end of the block where I used to live in Harrison and I used to go to, there to pray. You know, I had a noisy house with three boys and I would go, Catholic church was always quiet. My joke used to be, I'm Catholic during the weekend, I'm Protestant on the weekends. I would go to the Catholic church and pray. And yesterday I was, I was in Harrison for a basketball game and I stopped by to see some of my old neighbors. And I went into the, to the church where I used to pray. And I went and sat in this pew that I have so many memories because I sat in that pew and I said, God, you met me in this place. You met me, God. 
when all I could do was hold on to you, when nothing was working in my life, when I looked around and nothing was working in the natural, God, I'm so thankful this place is special to me because this little pew right here, over here at the Catholic Church in Harrison, God, you met me right here. Sometimes all you can do is hold on to God's promises and his presence. The third thing is this, hold on to God's people. Hold on to God's people. See, it's amazing that Simeon was able to recognize Joseph and Mary and the baby Jesus. Think about that. He didn't come as an adult. He didn't come as a great warrior. He didn't come as this impressive person. It was a baby, little baby in a diaper. Here was this humble family from a small town. Nothing outwardly remarkable about them, but Simeon recognized the holy family. Simeon recognized that God's hand was upon them. Let me put it to you this way. One of the greatest gifts that God has given you are the seemingly ordinary people who are sitting in the pews and the chairs all around you right now. The seemingly ordinary people who are all around you. Let me tell you, some of the greatest answers to prayer in my life have been the church family that God has sent into our life to meet so many needs. I know it's been true for me. Listen to me. The answer to your need is often supplied by God's people. Like you need somebody's story. You need somebody's testimony. You need somebody's prayers. You need somebody's giving at times. You need somebody's words of encouragement. You need somebody's hugs. You need to get up here and pray with the prayer team one Sunday morning if you've never done that. You need someone's spiritual gift. Sometimes we feel so self-sufficient as modern day people. So self-sufficient. We're upwardly mobile. We're talented. We have money in the bank and we think we have it all going on. Oh, no, 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 no. We need God's people. We need each other. If God, if God expected you to do it by yourself, he would have never came up with this idea of the church of Jesus Christ. How many of you know God knows better what we need than we do for ourselves? We need each other. Hold on to God's promises. Hold on to his presence. I don't know what you're going through. Hold on to his presence and hold on to his people. Get some believers around you. This is why we're always telling you, get into a life group, get on a team, make some friends, start serving somewhere, go through a growth track. Why? Because you weren't meant to do it by yourself. If you need to stick around for prayer today, our prayer team is going to be here to agree with you, to believe God's best for your life. So we're going to hold on to those things today. I don't know what you're waiting on, but God does. I don't know what you're waiting on in this season of Advent, but if you're waiting, this is the perfect time to trust in a good and loving God because this is a season of waiting. This is a season of preparation and waiting and to remember that the Son of God, the Messiah, the Savior, He came to a people who waited for centuries and he is faithful. He's the same God yesterday, today, and forever. And if he was faithful then, he'll be faithful in your life now. And so we wait in faith. We wait in obedience. We wait in hope. And as we're waiting, we hold on to the gifts that God has given us, his promises, his presence, and his people. Can we take a hold of those today as we pray? Come on, just bow your head right now, right where you are. Let's make an altar to meet with God, an altar to meet with him. We're gonna take a hold of those things. In the spirit today, we're taking a hold of those things. Maybe today you wanna just, I usually tell you to open your hands today. I would say reach out and grab that promise. Maybe you wanna hold your hands in this position. God, I'm holding on to you today. God, I'm holding on to your presence today. God, I'm holding on to your word today. Father, we thank you that you are a good, loving, faithful God. The God who came to his people while they were waiting, you were working. For centuries, while they were praying and longing and crying out to you, you were working behind the scenes of history. And in the perfect time, you sent your son to this planet to save not only your people, but to save the whole world. 
And oh, we need saving today. We're crying out to you today, God. We need you. We need you. Father, we're asking you to help us to wait with faith. God, I thank you that you'll give us faith, that faith is a gift that comes from you. God, I'm praying for the faith level in this room to rise. Father, I'm praying that you help us to be obedient. Lord, we wanna be known as those who truly love you because we walk in obedience to your word. God, we don't wanna take a shortcut. We don't wanna miss out on your best for us, but we're, we're asking that you would help us to wait in obedience. And Lord, today we wait in hope, not wishful thinking that maybe you'll show up, but confident assurance, God, that you're working in our lives even when we can't see it. We choose to hold on to your, your character today, that you are a good, loving, gracious, merciful God who has revealed yourself through your son, Jesus, who gave himself for us. And even when we don't understand what you're doing, that's who you are. We walk by faith, not by sight. So today we see in the spirit your goodness and your mercy and your grace. We see your, your hand at work in our lives. And Lord, today we're we're grabbing a hold of your promises for our lives. Those scriptures we've read, those words that were spoken over us, we grab a hold of them today in faith. God, we're holding on to your presence. We're declaring today, God, we, we cannot live without you. We need your presence in our lives and we're holding on to each other. We're thankful for the gift of church family today. We need each other. Help us, Lord, today, maybe to lean in a little bit closer to somebody that we need in our lives today. God, maybe you're going to put it on our hearts to reach out to somebody in need in our church family. Help us to be sensitive to your spirit as we wait. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen, amen, amen. Thanks for listening to today's message. If you'd like more information about our church, visit us online at redemptioncommunitychurch.org or follow us on social media.